Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Deceptively Fast Podcast. I'm joined yet again for a now favorite and uh, really the only staple on the show, Sean Pendergast. This is reality review number three, I believe, is it not? Yeah. And uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about Very Cavallari, yep. episode three. Yeah. We're going to talk about Bella's. Which is uh, Total w- Bellas. Total Bellas. Yeah. Which is a WWE. I- I've seen like two episodes of Total Bellas, so I'm. It's gonna be mostly me quizzing you. That's it, that's cool. I watch it through osmosis with Amy watching it on the couch. But I'm a big WWE fan, as you know, so I know who all the characters are on there. And this, the the central part I wanted to discuss with you because I offered this up to you in text. Uh-huh. I said we need to discuss Total Bellas because I heard you talking about it on 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 uh, Mad Radio. The the Cena Nikki Bella thing needs to be discussed. Okay, yeah, yeah so There's a there's a relationship the dynamic. Yeah. You are going off to West Virginia in a couple days yeah. to go cover the Texans at yes. training camp at the Greenbrier. Excited? Very excited. Yeah. It was it was 91 degrees at eight o'clock this morning in Houston. <laughs> so yeah, no, super excited. That was it was a lot of fun last year, kind of any town USA sort of thing. You know, it caught me by surprise this year how excited I was about training camp. I don't know if there's something about a Paul that's been over this city because of the quarterback situation for so long. And last year, even going into training camp, the Texans had kind of whipped us into this submission of, hey, don't get too excited about Deshaun because you're not going to see him anyway. Yeah. And I kind of... I kind of went along with it. I, I was kind of, I was kind of a little bitch about it. Well, meanwhile, selling you Tom Savage, right, like, right. You, what do you think of this delicious Tom Savage I have here for you? And I had bought, look, I had bought hook, line, and sinker into Deshaun already. Except that I kind of wait. I, I figured, okay, we're in a holding pattern. We're going to wait and see. Let's not rush him along. Who knows? Maybe he's not ready for the NFL just yet. I, I'm going to give you a barometer. Seth, of the excitement level for Deshaun Watson, and it was what I was just doing five minutes ago. I don't know if the excitement is so ridiculous because I watch these videos on Twitter or because they're posted in the first place, but Mark Berman is in West Virginia at training camp, and he posted a video on Twitter, just a video, and all it said was Deshaun, at Deshaun Watson or whatever, Deshaun Watson for whatever his Twitter handle is, and it was a video, it was a 20-second video. And so I click on it immediately because it's a 20-second video that has Deshaun Watson in pads getting ready to do something. He gets under center against no, you know, against nobody, against air. It's just him in the center and hands off to Lamar Miller and then carries out the rest of the play. Yeah. And that was the entire 20-second video. And I watched it three times. <laughs> that's what I, I think that's the excitement level. Like, how ridiculous is it we're watching? Like, can you imagine... Any of the other twelve quarterbacks that have played in the last three year post last three years posting a video of them just doing a a play fake in right. camp on the first o- day. Osweiler, they did it, and you're kind of like, well, look, it's his. Uh, <laughs> sure, that's he, not the Christmas thing in the world, but the thing is, he he manages the game well. He's smart. He yeah. knows where to go with the ball. <laughs> that's and that's the thing I remember about when Deshaun came into the game last year was. You would see, and I noticed this in the preseason when he first came into the game after Savage, was, wow, that 
that thing there in the pocket moves a little differently than the thing that was in the pocket there beforehand. No doubt. It looks like it's made out of different elements <laughs> and molecules yes. and everything. Like, why is it moving so crisply and it, it, bouncing it, around it, with such authority? Yeah, no, it's like in Game of Thrones where there's a human and there's a monster. You know what I mean? And uh-huh. They move completely differently. Like, the CGI-generated stuff moves like things that aren't real, and then, you know, then there's Jon Snow. Let me tell you this. This will be my one big NFL prediction for the year it's that despite all of the turmoil and acrimony and political influence and civil rights issues and everything else that's all become embroiled in the nfl one of the biggest problems over the last decade is that franchise quarterbacks had become increasingly rare yeah and it was harder and harder to find them where now all of a sudden it seems like we're at the advent of this golden age of quarterbacks, the seven-on-seven products that we've been promised. And I think you look around, and a lot of teams and a lot of fan bases are more able to convince themselves that, hey, we've got a shot this year. Look, Case Keenum, Nick Foles, Blake Bortles, those guys were all those guys were all deep into the playoffs last year. Why can't we do it? In your mind, is it because the quarterbacks are getting better or because the game is changing to where it's maybe a little bit – it's morphing into more of what the college, at least elements of the college game are creeping into it, and it becomes a little bit easier to transition into the game as a quarterback. I, I think that's exactly it. Yeah. And I think coaches have become a little less stodgy, partly because there are more coaches in the league now that played this brand of football. Yeah. You know, you talk to defensive coordinators from uh, several years back when the read option first hit the scene, and some of them, it was like they were looking at a three-eyed giraffe. They didn't know what to do with it. Where yeah. now, you've got every guy on the defense played against these types of schemes in college. They know what they're doing. A lot of the coordinators do it. The offensive coordinators have buddies that coach in college. And and that's, that's one thing that I've said for a long time the NFL needed was you need to make it easier to play the quarterback position. Yeah. And, and pocket passing is still always going to be the trump card. If you can dissect somebody from the pocket, it's just a more efficient way to do it, but now you can also get it done in other ways. Not to go totally off track, but just for like a 15-second tangent, that's why I'm so fascinated to watch the John Gruden experiment this year, because I feel like he's got like he's coming in with none of those things. He's got his spider fly Y double stop sign 2X <laughs> banana playbook. He's got a quarterback that he kind of kind of needs to rehabilitate a little bit and everybody is thinking it's this automatic thing that Derek Carr is going to be back and did you see the tweet today that uh John Gruden hasn't talked to Khalil Mack right. not once yeah. since he took over his head coach. And I think a lot of the communicating with the millennials part is overblown. I think people are people. Football players are football players. Yeah. And it's always been hard to get a team to do exactly what you want. But I do wonder with the generation gap between whatever differences there are between now and when Gruden, who formerly had a hard time having a relationship with his players, like with, with my generation of players, <laughs> if these guys are indeed a little bit more sensitive, I don't know, it's man. It's going to be awesome. I, it's going to be so much fun <laughs> to watch. Awesome. He's got a 10-year contract, $100 million, yeah. reportedly. So Jay Cutler is a guy that made well over $100 million in his career. <laughs> he did. He and tell by his house, as we enter, which he hates. As we enter very cavalry season three, I do think that Jay Cutler... Jay Cutler has too much time on his hands. We talked about this before. He's getting a little bored with his 
19,000 square foot house that he has in Nashville. So he's trying to get Kristen to move out to the country. Yeah. And he does this by driving her out to this new house. He's dressed up kind of like an emaciated John Popper. Um, either that or like a, a Montana rancher. He's wearing a wool vest and a, it's not a cowboy hat. It's like a rich rancher's hat. Yeah, I feel like it's the hat. I remember, I'm, I'm remembering this very vaguely. But you remember the Curious Curious George books? Mm-hmm. Didn't Curious George have a human that hung out with him a lot that wore a hat like he that? He was all there was the yellow man. It was yeah. the man in yellow. Yeah. The man in the yellow suit. Something like that. And it, it was it, all it, yellow, but he had a that was like a Panama hat, I think. Kind of, I guess, yeah. So maybe I'm you know, maybe it's like a cousin of the hat that Jay Cutler was. It was wearing. equally goofy. Yes. There's something that just a little too gentrified about it. Yeah. Here's like in general, and I know we'll dig into more specifics here, but like just in we general. Don't have to. Here's where I am with Jay Cutler. I've got like eight notes in front of me. Um, I grew up in New England in the 80s, and I was a Philadelphia 76ers fan. So just to take you back, like that was the big rivalry back in the 80s. And here I am in New England rooting for the Sixers in the the middle of the Larry Bird era. Like I hated Larry Bird growing up. And it turns out Larry Bird's like one of the five or six greatest players of all time. And now here I am like 30 years later – Wishing I had rooted for Larry Bird back right. in the day. Like, I wish I had embraced the Larry Bird era instead of rooting against it. It would have been so much fun to root for it. Championships and MVPs and all the moments that he had. That's kind of how I feel about Jay Cutler now. Like I, I, like, I went through his career hating Jay Cutler because I thought he was just some smarmy, smug, arrogant frat boy. And now it turns out he's like an everyman. Like I, yeah. I, I really wish I wish I could go back to 2006 and root for him all over again. I wish there had been like a hard knocks or something where you could have seen this side of him. Yes. I even went back. I came across this video on YouTube the other day, and it was a compilation of the the worst or best poor effort plays in NFL history. <laughs> and one of them was the one where Jay Cutler had split out wide as a wide receiver, <laughs> and, and he just stood there at the sideline completely disinterested and didn't move when the ball was snapped. And at the time, I thought, like, what a bastard. Hey, man. That guy just doesn't care about the team. Disrespecting the game. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, Jay. Classic <laughs> classic Jay Cavallari. I love you, Jay. So early in this episode, he brings Kristen out to this ranch house, and uh, he did a good job selling it by basically letting the house do do the work. Yes. Um, but, but, oh, wait. No, it was this episode. The episodes are uh, blending into each no, other now. Took, they, they the goats were in this episode. The goats were, were in this episode. They, they start were. off they the st- episode. The goats were at the beginning. Their their poop fertilized the lawn yeah. that Kristen's staff had torn up by... by parking their cars on it. Right, which seemed very clear. Like, this which was is, something the producers set up. That they were course. like, hey, let's bring a bunch of goats out goats to Jay's with, house. With their, with their magic poop and have them poop in the yard. But there's uh, a picture, there's a shot of Jay holding a baby goat, which is right. adorable, but it, it just reminded me of that classic shot of Tom Brady yeah. in that Uggs commercial where he's holding a goat. His turtleneck sweater. And yeah. Jay pulled it off a lot better. When Tom held the goat, it looked like he looked like some fancy English gentleman. Yeah. Where Jay looked like a guy that would, you know, one day slaughter that goat yeah. like he was like <laughs> right. i know what i'm doing with right. this goat We're, like episode seven they're gonna be drinking a certain kind of stew and he's gonna be like what do you think of it how do you think it tastes and kristen's gonna be like this is great and he's gonna be like okay well this this was ernie the that's, goat that's goaty mcgoat face goat face the stew um yeah jay uh I, I will say this. I, I do. I like Jay a lot. This business that Kristen is in is is fraught. For, and we can get to this whenever you want to. But like this business is going down. 
It's not. I, it's, it's, it's not it's a well-run down. enterprise. Like, that's the focus of the show. Yeah. is her business, and like she's hired a bunch of she's she's hired a bunch of goofball chicks to run this thing. She's not involved at all. That's what I wanted to ask you yeah. because you've managed people. You've I been have. a manager. You yes. haven't always just been a radio guy. You're right. a sales manager, and. At the, at the very root of it all, I know, I remember from my management 101 classes, one of the most important things you need to do is have a management chart, mm-hmm. right? An organizational chart that shows whose responsibilities uh, are whose and who's in charge of whom. Yep. These women that are working for Kristen Cavallari have no idea who's in charge, or at least are insisting that they have more autonomy than they actually do. And Kristen's nowhere to be seen in any of She's it. She's nowhere to be found. Nobody wants to take orders from anybody else. There is no org chart. She's delegated to people who cannot be delegated to. She's not at a stage with this business where you can be delegating. That's the thing. Is like it's in its infancy stage. Like they're moving into their new space, and she's hardly ever there. Right. She and needs I don't know to be very hands on. I don't know. I I don't know if this is how she's actually running the business, or if this is what the producers realized. Look, okay, Cavalieri's, you're not going to let us film your kids. You're like looking for a new house. We don't even like. I don't need to interview the kid. I don't need to have them turned into a star or something. But it, can I at least see how the kids respond to this new house you're right, looking at? Right. It feels very empty and very void. And Jay, as funny as he is, is only going to provide so much content. I feel like Jay is somebody. You and I are sitting here talking about him the first couple times we've done this podcast, and and. The natural inclination is to go, we need more Jay Cutler. We need more Jay Cutler. And I I have a feeling if we get more Jay Cutler, we're going to start to feel about Jay Cutler like how we felt when he was a player. You like, know what do you bring to this? T- what do you bring to this relationship here, Jay? <laughs> we're getting just enough Jay Cutler. Like, they're doing a good job of that. Yeah. They're doing a really good job of leaving us wanting more Jay Cutler. The, the, th- the key now will be for them to not give us more Jay Cutler. We're going to be like Bears fans where we're like, okay... The memes, yeah. the memes are funny and all, Jay, but I need some emotional support here at some point. Yeah. You feel like, okay, Jay, give give Kristen some emotional support instead of just snarky comments right. his, here and there. His shitty attitude is to this show what his right arm was to his NFL career. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a big tease. It's a tease, and then you're ultimately left wanting more. So I do wonder, are these the people... Are these women working for Kristen Cavallari the ones that she actually would have chosen? Are these ones who are Ooh, entertaining on film? That's a good question. Are you uh, are you running the business and documenting it with the show, or are you using the show to populate the business? That's interesting. It feels like the tail's wagging the dog a little bit. A little bit, but she Kristen really seems to like Shannon, who's like she's the she's she mixes the Darth, it up. She's the Darth Vader of this thing. Like, she's, she's without deal. Shannon. I don't know if it would be a very good show because she provides the conflict. She does. And who's the ditzy blonde? Uh, That's Reagan. Reagan. Reagan's yeah. the comic relief. Ra- Reagan, she, but you know she's starting to figure more prominently into this because she's realizing that she's just disrespected by everybody, which yeah. is her own fault because she was she talked to, she calls herself the blonde with the big boobs. Right. She does. So she kind of she calls it. attention to like her assets in a way that makes her assets less appealing. Yeah, Almost. I don't think she's that hot, to be honest with you, and she's annoying after like it's 10 a, seconds. A little bit, you know, I, I left the movie uh, that Amy Schumer, the, uh, Amy Schumer's been in a couple movies. The most recent one was really good, um, where she plays kind of a, a frumpy girl that doesn't have good self-esteem and everything. I can't remember what the name of it was. But there, do you remember the one that was with John Cena? <laughs> I was about to say, it sounds like the same one that she was in with John Cena. She was, she was, a, she was low self-esteem in that no, movie, No, no, but she, well, she was well, she, promiscuous, but she, she was like the hot girl. Yes. Remember they presented her yeah, like, oh, wow, guys yeah. are dying for what her. What was They're, that? That was the one with, oh, uh, 
train wreck. Train wreck. Yeah. Right. With so train wreck was in that. I'm one. like, all right. I, Amy Schumer does have a quality about her where her confidence kind of makes her sexier. Yeah. She, but they they presented her in that movie like she was the girl that everybody wanted to get with, right. and and but no, she's unattainable. Yeah. I didn't quite get that. That's how Reagan is presenting herself a little bit. That's a really good analogy, actually, because there are times where I look at Reagan and I'm like, she's you know like there's something there. And then there's this last episode where she's just, she feels disrespected by everybody and she's tattling on people. And then it's like, when you start tattling on people, I'm like, that's amazing. You're so much less hot right now. You'd be really hot if you stayed cool. Like, <laughs> yes. you looked like you were the cool chick. She's not unconditionally hot. And that's, I feel like it's Amy Schumer's a great analogy. Like, Amy Schumer can look, you know, at times, like in that movie, you know, when she's doing things in that movie, you're like, okay, I can kind of see this going in a direction like that. And then, then she becomes like Amy Schumer, like normal Amy Schumer. And you're like, all right, well, this is why. Well, this, this is why is... she's not train wreck. Oh, the, okay. The most recent one is I Feel Pretty. And in that movie, especially, she has this, uh, this episode where she all of a sudden sh- thinks she's really hot. And you can see in that movie, within that movie, frumpy Amy Schumer versus confident Amy Schumer. Yeah. And when she's confident, you are like, oh, wow, yeah. Amy Schumer is hot. But yep. it's the whole package all, all done together. Um, I, I'm with you. I don't know what's going to become of this business other than that Kristen Cavallari's star power is going to drive sales in this show For especially sure. will drive sales <laughs> but I have to imagine that she has other actual solid administratively talented people behind it and I think the the store the physical storefront itself might be a disaster but who cares because that's what retail's doing now anyway it's yeah. all about the online sales Is it just jewelry like they they haven't done a great job of laying out exactly what uncommon James is I've seen the picture with the models and there's ju- I know there's jewelry involved is that all it is it or is must there apparel? be it must be just because the store doesn't seem all that big either and it seems yeah. pretty sparse doesn't it yeah. it seems kind of barren it does like they're gonna go very very minimalist but like if you're selling clothes you got to have clothes in there I guess I suppose I could do a, like a, a small amount of research and actually look Don't up the that. website no, leave it up they, they're supposed to tell the story for us Seth they're supposed to paint the picture that's on them so the other subplot in here was that Shannon and her boyfriend, John, were on the outs as of the last episode Gurney. because John was jealous about Worth. Worth. John Gurney was jealous of Worth, this rich guy. who gets Rich he, hipster with long hair. He started off like being somebody that I wanted to like, and now I despise him. Now that I've a, seen his house, I hate yeah. him. He's a 25-year-old rich kid with a, a brand new townhouse in a Tony section of Nashville, yeah. and he's having a housewarming party. Uh, he's frankly... And he... he he has a quote in there. I had written it down. I lost it. I'll paraphrase here. He said something along the lines of like, I mean, do I know that I'm hot? Yeah, but, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and that no. was enough for I, me. I want Worth to get hit by a bus in like episode six. That's where I am with Worth right now. I think they're writing house. Worth out slowly because I think they realize, okay, he's really pretty, but he doesn't necessarily have a lot of personality. He's vapid. There's Pl- nothing there. Uh, plus his girlfriend's on the scene now. Yeah. I do find myself liking Kristen Cavallari. I do too. I, I really do do i think she's actually pretty savvy that's why it's frustrating for me that she doesn't have more control over the business because it seems like she's actually really down to earth and sharp she was excited about the fact that if they moved to this new house the kids could go to public school yes and she liked that yeah that was like nah look i'm not passing any judgment private public whatever Jay you gotta liked do it too yeah yeah so Jay i was pro public school. yeah they're very much more down to earth than a lot of people would, would have thought they you know because she was in what was she in? she was in the hills yeah she's in laguna beach yeah and and throughout their relationship, 
Jay and Kristen, like everybody made fun of it. Like, oh, Jay Cutler's dating this reality star, blah, blah, blah. So, like, I kind of came into the show predisposed to, like, okay, I can't wait to hate this Kristen Cavallari. And I had seen some of the the, the hills in, in Laguna Beach. Like, I've seen it in passing. I haven't binge-watched the seasons or anything, but I had seen her in those shows. But, uh, I yeah, I like her. I like her. I think she's. I think she's a smart person. I don't know how good a businesswoman she is. Like mm-hmm. I think she's gonna. If she wants to be in business, this is going to be a huge learning experience for her it's on a, hiring and delegating and things like that. You know, who we just talked to this morning is Barry Williams, the original Greg Brady. Is it Barry you Williams? Did? Yeah, on he Mad was in, Radio. He they changed their time slot and their station that Brady Bunch is on locally, and I guess he has some ownership interest in the group that. Um, uh, the group that syndicates it. Okay. So he was here. Yeah, we were, we did a Facebook live with him on with the station. Barry account. Williams. Yes. What year is it? Uh, it How it's did I now. Miss this? He looks immaculate. He looks awesome. Yeah. He did a seven year run in Branson, Missouri, uh, a one man show where he sang songs and did all this stuff. And he's been on Broadway before, so he has talent. The kid's got chops. Um, <laughs> the kid. He's like sixty. He, he talked about just that. He had to make that transition from being the talent to actually hiring and producing and checking the gates and all that stuff. And he said, look, and this is a guy who's probably, I don't know, what is he, 60-some years old? He's he's got some maturity underneath him. I think Kristen Cavallari is kind of getting a rude awakening as to what it takes to actually run a business. That's the biggest jump in any line of work is when you go from being just the guy on the front line or gal who then has to be the person who's deciding who to put on the front line. Like hiring in any management position on any layer of an organization. I was told this when I got my first job in management by the CEO of the company I was with when I got promoted. He said, you will be, you will succeed or fail based on hiring 90%. Mm -hmm. 90% of your success will be in who you decide to surround yourself with. And it's 100% true in this show. I know people are watching this show for the train wreck aspect of it. You and I love laughing about Jay Cutler. It is kind of a fascinating, albeit very heavily edited business study to yeah. me. And making those decisions, the really hard decisions are the people you can't keep, right? Yeah. I mean, when you have to fire people for especially, the first time. Especially when she, like, it seems like she, well, maybe not Kristen, but it's, you know, like in a small business like that, especially when it's all women, I think, like that you're trying to foster some sort of family aspect of it. Like, hey, we're all in this together. You want we're, it to be a special environment. Sisters, right. yeah. And that makes it even harder to let people go. It's kind of like a team where yeah. you always talk about, hey, we're a team and we're all together and we're fighting for each other, but by the way, we're going to cut half of you. You know what a good example of it is, Seth, is what we're seeing with DeMar DeRozan. Uh-huh. You know, not to go totally off the grid here, but like he, if you see these interviews with DeMar DeRozan since he got traded to San Antonio, he made it, Toronto made him feel like it was a mom and pop business and that he was an adopted son and you're never going anywhere. And, and then, you know, a week later he's traded to San right. Antonio, like he's excommunicated from the family. So that's the danger. I, I guess if you get swept up in emotion and you're worried about hurting people's feelings, that's the danger in that part of it, I guess. That, that DeMar DeRozan episode where he feels like personally betrayed by them, mm-hmm. I there's no better scene in any sports movie that hits the nail on the head better than in North Dallas 40 when John Matuzak is freaking out and he says, every time I say it's a business, you say it's a game. Every time I say it's a game, you say it's a business. And that's exactly what they do to you. Yep. I mean, as a player, you just, you learn that reality over time that they're yeah. going to, they'll sell you and the coaches mean it. The coaches believe it. Good coaches do. But from the management side, they try to guilt you into doing the right thing by the team. But look, it's 
cold hard business and you're dealing with you're dealing with billionaires yep. you know that know how to make good business decisions and they always get to decide when it's a business and when it's a family I they're the ones who determine that bob Kraft has probably done the best job of still maintaining relationships with players despite having that side of the business being very and i think it's because he's very transparent with it because yeah. he has a he has a close relationship with vince wolfork yeah. he had a close relationship with curtis martin yeah and curtis martin played there three years it was really dicey yeah. you know they basically had to make a hard decision with curtis martin but curtis martin didn't bear a grudge because bob Kraft was always very upfront with him even yeah. as they had a close personal relationship that there was a business side to things too it, it would be interesting because those are great examples, it would be interesting if we knew how everybody who came through there felt about oh, it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we're bringing <laughs> up the examples. It, two things: one, that it would be interesting to know, like what the consensus is on Bob Kraft. Because I'm with you; like the perception is exactly what you just said. It would be interesting too, also, to see if there were no Super Bowl rings involved, how people would feel about the whole thing. I think mm-hmm. when my guess is when you're coming away with championships and then all the accoutrements that come with that post-career, you probably feel better about whatever was said to you during your career. You let it go Plus, because that Super Bowl yeah. ring is going to carry you through autograph sessions through the rest of your life. And New England has that thing going, too, where so many media members want access yeah. that the ones that get it tend to write pretty fawning the, stories about the story. how awesome Belichick yeah. or Kraft's relationship was with various That's people. And then you, the Ted Johnson stories of the world. <laughs> Right. Where it nice and it wasn't necessarily all that pretty. And he where he was where Ted was in the inner circle for a long time and yeah. then he wasn't. And then all of a sudden he wasn't yeah. and uh people up in New England don't necessarily want to well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the good stuff. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so the Bellas yeah. TV show. So for the listeners that don't know, these are the, the, the Bella twins, which are two women wrestlers in WWE yeah. who started off on um what's the show? The that follows the women wrestlers, Total Divas. Total Divas, yeah. Started on Total Divas, but yeah. they were so popular on that show that they got their Spun own it spin off. off of that. Yeah, I think it helped that their significant others were and are very big WWE superstars as well. But the one Bella is engaged to John Cena. Nikki. Nikki is engaged to John Cena and intermittently. Brie. It's yeah, on, on again, and off. off again. On and off. And it's the most like played out, tired thing. You know, like I get up to like I follow WWE on Twitter. And they give updates like, find out more about what's going on with Nikki and John. Like every week, I'm like, oh, I'm so sick of these two people, man. And here's the thing about that relationship is that it was, it feels like the most contrived, forced relationship. And um, not by the producers. No, to me, it feels the, like these are two career motivated people that don't realize it, maybe, but yeah. are doing this for their career. Yeah, yeah. Even yeah. if they don't quite know it, it's just that their inner drive to be a star makes this what's important to them. Like, they absolutely shouldn't be together. No. Like, you, like you watch it from the very beginning, and I, I have no idea, like, why, even when we see these scenes of, like, the like when they're apart, and Nikki is sobbing over John, and there have been scenes where John is, like, mildly, like, you actually see a tear come down over Nikki, and I'm like, you, you two seem like you're not, not miserable when you're around each other, you just seem like two asexual pods when you're around each other. Like, you just, you're two just... Organisms, it's, like you're two amoebas seems, next right. to each other. And every time I've ever seen it, maybe I haven't seen enough of the episodes. It's them having a discussion about the state of their relationship, right? It's and a, it's done in very 
antiseptic like it's not even a business negotiation no. because there's there's more passion in a business negotiation yeah usually in a business negotiation like both sides care passionately about their business and everything they're they're kind of parsing out like well i don't want to have kids but you do yeah. but i'd like to have you on this journey here's my sports analogy uh seth is like if if you were like in the football world like as a as a listener or a viewer um, let's say like in the podcast world for football, there are like some podcasts that are like super fun, like energetic opinions, guys yelling at each other about certain things, guys telling funny stories, cutting up, whatever. Um, and then there's football podcasts that are, that are about like deep dives into the salary cap yeah. or deep dives into contracts, which certainly has its place. This feels like, this feels like that. This feels like we're watching a deep dive into like the salary cap, but it's supposed to be an entertaining relationship. And, and you know like, what I do with those podcasts? I listen to them at two times speed because they're so dry <laughs> yeah. and you can pick it up. But like, man, this is just too boring. I just need the high points. Yeah. Right. So I want to watch this Bella's show. And my wife's kind of, until training camp started, my wife was kind of hung up on this because there's so little going on in sports right now. Right. So if the Astros aren't on, she's watching DVRs of this. So now we'll probably, I don't know if I'll see this to the end, but so much of it feels just like Ross and Rachel on Friends. Yeah. Like where you got to the point where you're like, enough already. Right. Why? Right. Why am I still listening to the same conversation over and over? My whole thing is like, if you're John Cena, why do you want to lock down with anybody right now? You're traveling the world. You're representing WWE. You're on the Today Show. Nikki Bell is a beautiful woman, but she's got her own stuff going on. Man, just go around the world and do your thing on TV and do your thing in WWE and go boink whoever you want to yeah. when you want to. Well, I don't know. He's been what? married once already. Has he? Yeah. So he's already seen the dark side That's of things. That's what I'm saying. And he doesn't want kids. Right. And he doesn't what? seem to have human emotions. What's the point? Yes. I don't yeah, there's so that's the that's that's our test for next week. Let's see what actually drives John Cena. Okay. Somebody tweet in, tweet in to, at, at Payne NFL, at, at Sean T. Pendergast. At Sean T. Pendergast. Sean, this is a pleasure every time. I think now that football season, or at least football preseason has started, we're, we'll probably mix some more sports into the beginning of these things. Whatever. Um, but this has been a blast. I'm really jealous that you guys get to go up to West Virginia, but I look forward to the reports you're going to be given. Follow him on Twitter for all things Texans, NFL, gambling, and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.